fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. So, hello, America. Today I have some really good news. I have um, some sad news coming out of CNN. The ratings are out. And it is shocking what is happening to CNN. Uh, I mean, it's just burning itself down to the ground. Now, we'll have a moment to celebrate. But I also want to tell you why this is important and how it is connected to the other things that are going on. There is a, a new world order in the media that is being set up right now. We'll get to that. But first, we... I mean, we really have to get to this very sad story about what's happening to the ratings over at CNN. We do that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So what's the first thing you do when you get into your car? You adjust the seat, usually, right? Most cars allow you to move the seat front or back, but if it's a luxury car, you can also adjust the back and the, and the lumbar support. You can adjust the sides and everything else, so you're sitting exactly the way you want to sit. Most of us spend more time in our office chairs than we do in our cars. How many adjustments can you make to your office chair? Up and down? Easier to lean back? Harder to lean back? Is that it? If it's any fewer than 10 customized ergonomic uh, adjustments, then you do not have an X-Chair. You can adjust your X-Chair to fit your body perfectly thanks to X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support. They call it DVL. Your back, my back, I sit in this chair every day, gets the perfect level of support. DVL is key to the ideal posture, comfort, and productivity, and only the X-Chair has it. X-Chair, on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com, or call 844-4X-Chair. 844-4X-Chair. Comes with a 30-day, no questions ask guarantee of complete satisfaction. xchairbeck.com. Go there now. Use the promo code XWheels. You're going to get the brand-new, really, really high-tech Probably made in some place like Germany wheels because they're just so fantastic. They're so smooth. And you know, the Germans are good with ball bearings. Anyway, X, uh, X wheels is your promo code. Go to xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. So, CNN, sad news, sad news. CNN continues to lose primetime audience and daytime audience. Now, how bad is it? Well, it wasn't a, snow, a slow news week last week. Uh, the president was on an overseas trip, and CNN completely stands alone in the uh, massive audience implosion. I want to compare to CNN, to MSNBC, and to Fox News. Now listen to this. Primetime viewership compared to the same week last year. Fox News is down 4%. NBC is down 4%. CNN is down 33%. Total day viewership compared to the same week last year. Fox is down 7%. MSNBC is down 5%. And CNN is down 21%. 
Now that's the good news. Here's the bad news. There's a 12 plus rating, and what I just gave you was 12 plus, which means, or it's actually two plus, which means everybody two years old to death. That's the two plus number. And the money is made 2554. So if you're between the ages of 25 and 54, that's where that's where everybody places their ad dollars, okay? It's really important. That's called the demo, and it's really really important. So here's what ha- here's what happened, and um, we went back and checked because we want to make sure that, that this isn't a typo, right? Primetime demo viewership compared to the same week last year. Fox News is down twenty five percent. NBC, MSNBC, is down 32%. CNN is down 55%. This is an absolute implosion of a network. Now, what you're seeing, Fox News down 25%, MSNBC down 32%, this is just because the younger people are just not tuning into television. So you have the implosion of the the network system happening, at the same time, you have CNN just killing itself. I mean, we're watching a suicide every time you turn on CNN, which, well, I mean, if they commit suicide and nobody's watching, does it, has it really happened? CNN is a total outlier now in this audience collapse. The erosion that you're seeing at Fox and MSNBC is, is just really the, the, the end of this network. The cable news average audience, adult 2554, Fox News, came in at 341,000. Total day, which means everybody watching during the day, is 213,000. They're number one. MSNBC primetime is 215,000. So that's almost a hundred and well, it's 130,000 lower than Fox. Total day, 100,000 lower than Fox, 113,000. So you think that the media has this big, you know, oh, my gosh, NBC, if they got on NBC, well, then, you know, gee, we better pay attention to it. So, you know, I had better ratings than this on CNN headline news, 113,000. I think when we started, we had, what, 78,000? Do you remember, Stu? And it was like nobody was watching. Yeah, I think it was even lower than that. Anything under 150, what'd you say? I think it was even lower than that when we started. Uh, Was it? Yeah. Um, It was just like, there was like nobody watching. And everybody knew it. We knew it that nobody was watching. And these ratings would come out. 113,000 people, that's not even worth mentioning. That's like that's like basing our entire life and our entire broadcast day on what happened on the con uh, on the uh, cartoon network at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, if I mean, you think about just... it, it's like CNN headline news was so desperate with numbers like that. They put you on like that. that they yes. were actually like, you know, that's what? How let's des- just try uh, yeah. Glenn Beck. I don't know. Uh, we got to try something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, one hundred and thirteen thousand. But that's not. Uh, that's not that's MSNBC. CNN primetime is one hundred and seventy eight thousand. Now, mm. every time you pay your cable bill, 
you're subsidizing CNN. Every time you pay your cable bill, you're giving them a buttload of money because they negotiated a really sweet deal when they had ratings and people needed them. And so they get a percentage of everything that you spend on cable. You want to crush CNN? Here's your boycott for you. Cut the cable. Cut cable. Now, that's also going to hurt Fox, but Fox has uh, Fox at least has a chance of standing on its own. CNN doesn't. You, cut, you start cutting cable and you start getting rid of uh, cable in your house, which is happening. They're not going to be able to afford to stay on the air. This is a dead corporation. They, uh, uh, they've killed it. They've absolutely killed yeah. CNN. I, like, I mean, I understand the idea. The problem with it, though, of course, is if you were to leave cable and you, you didn't have Fox anymore, there'd be no place to be able to get good conservative commentary. Like There wouldn't be a, a location. No, there would be. There, no, there, there would be. You just go to Blaze blazetv.com blazetv.com slash Glenn you enter in uh, free speech and I think today you can still get 30% off um, so I just I don't know if, I'm not sure if that's still active it's either use free speech or Glenn see which one works <laughs> so every time so every time I every time I don't talk about it free sp- speech is available mm-hmm. even though I've been told it wasn't available then when I do talk about it they don't know if it's available. Yeah, yesterday oh it was gosh. still, like, I was told it was not going to be available, but then it was still on the website, so I said it right. anyway. Uh, today, is it still on the website? I don't see it on the front, so I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Give so it a use whirl. the promo code. Yeah, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. So, I mean, maybe we were incompetent in, you know, shutting that thing down. I don't know. But give it a whirl. Free speech. Save 30%. Use uh, the promo code. What is it? Beck? Uh, Glenn. Uh, uh, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And you will save, uh, you'll save 10%. So join us because uh, it's important. And here's why it's important. The only time that industries ask for more regulation is when they are in a death spiral. The cable news industry is now in a death spiral. So they're going to reach out to the government and most likely, especially if the Democrats win, they'll get special treatment. They'll get some sort of special breaks or whatever. Um, and you'll notice also that the uh, CNNs of the world are asking for regulation of the Internet. Now it's now it's the cable providers that want uh, protection from the Internet because the Internet is getting too strong and the Internet is putting all of these these programs out of business and all of these networks out of business because it's the new way. It's not. They're not going to change it. All you're going to do is start adding Soviet-style restrictions, and you'll end up with a Soviet Union. You'll end up with a broken system to where you go someplace else, some other country, and you're like, man, we are so far behind. What? What is this? That's what happens. Right now, at the same time, Silicon Valley is doing what? They're purging the voices of conservatives. Because they are setting up their empire. They're setting up exactly what they're going to do when they rule the world. And they already rule the world. Cable news and the American people are just starting to catch up. Forget about what's on CNN. Nobody is watching it. 
So every time you hear somebody talk about what was on CNN last night, you can either enjoy it for the popcorn that it is, or you can say, not important. I mean, it could be fun to talk about it, but it's really not important because literally no one is watching anymore. Now, I want to take a break and I want to come back and go back to what the Internet is doing and the world that they're setting up right now. What is the world that they're setting up? Because they're not done. They purged more voices last night. So who was purged yesterday? By the way, is David Duke still up? Is Richard Spencer still up? Is he cool? Because other voices were purged. Their voices are still on. We'll get to that coming up in just a second. Not that I want to purge anybody's voice, but a little bit of consistency would be nice. All right, our uh, our sponsor this half hour is a Relief Factor. Got up this morning, took my Relief Factor. Uh, I take it three times a day because it works, period. It works. I want you to call 800-500-8384 if you were in pain. 800-583-84 or just go to relieffactor.com relieffactor.com what you need to do is uh, you'll look for their quick start now this will give you a 30-day trial of relief factor you want a 30-day trial because you might be part of the 30 percent that it doesn't work 70 percent of the people that uh go and go online and order their quick start they go on to order more month after month after month because it works for them and it works for me. So you have a good shot that you can get out of pain or greatly reduce your pain just by trying Relief Factor. ReliefFactor.com. That's ReliefFactor.com or 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. We break for 10 seconds. Station ID. So who did they ban yesterday? Uh, well, uh, so this is an amazing, uh, I mean, development. Uh, David J. Harris Jr., who's been on the program before, uh, prominent black conservative, uh, big, uh, you know, you know, big, uh, big social media personality, uh, and so, you know, he wasn't banned. Glenn, that's important no. for you to understand. He was not sure, okay, banned. Okay. That right. is way too extreme. Right. They wouldn't do something like that. What no, no, no. They, they've, they've looked at the damage to the community uh, over ah, at Facebook, and they've seen right. that David apparently has right. violated this. So it's no, it, wait, wait, wait. He violated the community. So he didn't violate any of the standards or the guidelines. No. He just hurt the community. He hurt the community, I think. And, and so right. they've decided to say yeah. that he, uh, because he, has, he posted some fake news stories, that they've just changed a couple of things about his page. And they're minor. I don't, I don't know if it's color scheme, uh, you know, maybe font size. Right, little right, things right. like that, and a couple of other minor things that minor things that might be noticeable. Mm-hmm, For example, mm-hmm. they've you know demonetized him, uh, so he can't make you know any money uh, off of the page, which you know is his main source of income. You know, sure, uh, sure, but sure, sure. other than that, the only other thing they've done is drop his traffic by ninety seven percent, and that's just look. That's a, oh, that's a minor thing. I mean, if you can't get by with three percent of the traffic that you've built 
over a long period of creating content for Facebook for free that they've profited off of. I mean, if he can't handle that, what can you handle? Can we find an attorney that can tell me how Facebook isn't being sued for this? I don't understand. They are destroying business after business after business. And it's not just conservative voices. It's actual businesses. They just put them out of business. Yeah, and I I don't think, you know, it's necessarily just... Like, David isn't even the perfect candidate for this because David is a guy who built his following completely organically. Like, he never put any money into ads or anything like that. There are companies that paid Facebook millions of dollars to place ads to get an audience, and now Facebook is saying they can't reach the audience. How they're not getting sued over things like this, I cannot understand. And maybe they will be. We know... we know from our own experience that we are, we've been demonetized. We've also had our reach greatly uh, dim- diminished. Mm-hmm. Just recently, The Blaze has had their reach. So I, I build up, what, two and a half million subscribers or followers of Facebook because Facebook invites me to. Mm-hmm. Facebook shows me how to do it. You know, they bring me into their headquarters. They talk about things. They say, we really want you to be a partner. So we invest our time and our money and our talent to be able to grow that audience. And then they shut us off from that audience. So they have the two million uh, people that some of them may not be have, have been using Facebook when they first joined. We got them to join Facebook, and now they cut us off mm-hmm. of the people who say, I'm here because I want to know this opinion. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, David posted a video of this, and you can see uh, the traffic numbers. Uh, let's play a little bit of this, and we'll talk you through it as there's some of it's visual. But if you happen to be watching, the graph is absolutely amazing. Listen. This is my page reach in the millions. You see, this is 2.5 million, and this is... This is in one day, okay? This is one day. This is April 30th, 2 million, 1.2 million. So you can see it goes up from 1 million to 2 million. Kind of bouncing around there. 1 million to 2.1 million, 2.2 million. And then look at this, folks. This just has me beside myself. 2.7 million, May 13th, 14th. Look at this drop. I swear, Down. it's enough to make it's. It makes me sick to my abs, my stomach. Down to they about a hundred thousand. Oh my gosh! Destroying. Oh my, my gosh! Reach. From two point seven million to about, I think the low was eighty five thousand. From two point seven million, and again, so the question would be: Okay, well, what is he doing? Is he posting uh, KKK material? Would be strange for a black conservative to post KKK material, but is that what happened? No, he got dinged because he was posting fake news. The fake news he posted was a video from CNN uh, where they were interviewing the founder of the Weather Channel who's skeptical of global warming. So because he posted a CNN oh interview gosh. about global oh warming in a skeptical gosh. way, which wasn't, he wasn't even saying, it wasn't even video of him it was a video of another person an interview on cnn and he got dinged for fake news and now has lost 97 percent of his audience basically overnight so he hasn't you know he hasn't really done they haven't done anything wrong they have moved him to a new uh village <laughs> where conservatives have their voices heard and everything is sunshine and lollipops 
and it's just in a place that you can't go or find. But that they're all just being put onto a train, and they're brought to this wonderful little village where they can speak, and their people can hear them. And it's wonderful. Mm. It's wonderful. It's amazing because, I mean, I, a lot of times this goes to sort of constitutional grounds and free speech grounds. And there are arguments we've had about that. We have something coming up in the next few weeks on this going on TV. And there are issues there that surround that because of the government protections they get. That being said, though, I think really the more interesting way to go after this is business. I mean, you there is no way they should be able to be running a business this way. And we should continue to go back to them and hand over all of our free stuff. Like, we're creating it, we're handing it over to them, and then at a, on a whim, with no explanation and no rational reason to do something, they'll just cut an audience by 97%. And it's not just David J. Harris Jr., it's not just us, it's companies that have gone literally out of business because of these changes after they've spent millions of dollars with Facebook to get the audience, and expecting to reach it, obviously, and then Facebook just pulls the rug right out from under them. It's, it's amazing. All right, so what does all of this mean for the future? We'll get into that a little later on in the program. Uh, also, uh, we we have a great guest that has just gone through all of the laws in the, the country and, and found that, oh, you're, they can put you in prison in a heartbeat for all the laws that you probably are breaking. It's coming up in just a little while. Pat is next. First, let me tell you, our sponsor this half hour is Blinds.com. Blinds.com, they get letters like this in over and over and over again. Blinds were perfect. I saved money. They're the highest quality, higher than the box store products. Our windows look great. You made it super, super easy. I'm coming back because I have more windows in my house that need to be covered. That is the story over and over and over again of Blinds.com. The customer says it all well they say it with this thirty thousand five-star customer reviews thirty thousand they're america's number one online choice for affordable quality custom window coverings plus you'll get free samples free shipping and 100 percent satisfaction guaranteed make sure your home is ready for the warmer weather with blinds.com you're going to save a buttload on just your uh just your air conditioning bill alone right now you can save up to 40 percent on customer favorites Plus, save an extra $20 on top of that with the promo code BECK. That's promo code BECK at Blinds.com. Blinds.com, promo code BECK. Go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code to use is Glenn. You're going to save 10 bucks. Support conservative speech. Welcome to the uh, program. Glad that you are here. Uh, Pat Gray is joining us now. We have a mm-hmm. lot to discuss uh, coming up on the, the program. The laws that you're breaking every day that could get you in jail. Justice Roberts is about to show his cards, I, I think. Uh, we're also, uh, we also have to talk just a, just a little bit about the budget and how out of control our deficit is. Uh, but uh, let's, go to, let's go to Pat, who has... Quite honestly, what I think is Islamophobia, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, I'm, you know, should I be concerned that uh, 550 people from Ebola riddled nations are being released into Texas? Ah, stop it. That's just crazy. You're right. It's just it's it's Islamophobia. That's what it is. And I'm I'm trying to overcome it. You've got 500 people. You have 500 people who mm-hmm. don't speak English. They right. do not speak Spanish mm-hmm. uh, coming from the Congo. Somehow or another, yeah. 
500 people had saved up enough. <laughs> yes. I don't to, know what. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To get to be here. able to come to, to be able to go over to Mexico. They they're so well in tune uh, with mm-hmm. global politics that they knew that if they just got to Mexico City, these guys who could not speak a word of either language <laughs> could find their way across the border and into San Antonio. Yes. I find that mm-hmm. totally reasonable. It's also, oh, re- it, I think it's so reasonable that we're not screening them or quarantining them because why would you? <laughs> why would you? It's just Ebola. What, 55, See, 60% of the is... people who get it die. Big deal. This is... This is where his Islamophobia uh, just is screaming to come out. (laughs) Pat knows, Mm -hmm. Pat knows, as every American knows, that ISIS Mm -hmm. was just down in the Congo for some unknown reason, Mm -hmm. probably digging wells so they could provide fresh water. (laughs) You know, they're a religious group. Mm-hmm. Largely secular religion, mm-hmm. largely secular religious group that is just like our missionaries going out, you know, digging water and building mm-hmm. houses. Mm-hmm. So they were down in the Congo. We don't know what they were doing. Uh, and then lo and behold, these 500 people from the Congo yeah. from the same area with I with with ISIS and Ebola show up on our streets. I don't think there's anything to worry about. No. I mean, you know as well as I do that ISIS has a theory that if you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you fed him for a lifetime. And that, that's what I think they're doing in the Congo. Now, let's not. Con- well, they also know they also know that if you bring Ebola ridden fish into a nation, you can collapse it. <laughs> yes. It's kind of scary. I, I don't understand. I, somebody said should roll over the fact that we're not screening them. We're not quarantining them we're just releasing them onto the streets of san antonio texas and then giving them bus fare to go wherever they want why would you do that what kind of insanity does it take to just say yeah okay you might might have ebola but nah, you might not so go ahead and go wherever you want if uh, if if we have a, an ebola outbreak in the united states that's just sheer negligence on the part of our government sheer negligence mm-hmm. it's it's unconscionable. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. understand. Islamophobia. And, and by the way, it's it's only the worst outbreak of Ebola of all time. And the other thing is, uh, only fifty five percent of the people who've contracted the Ebola have died from it, and they have eighty seven thousand cases in the Democrat Republic of Congo. Not not to be confused with the Republic of Congo. This is the Democratic Republic of Congo, the DRC. Uh, they also have uh, 87,000 cases of measles, which has claimed the lives of 1,500 more people. I wouldn't worry about any of that, though, because if you do, it's obviously, as Glenn has pointed out, Islamophobia. Well, it's just also racism. Hate. Don't forget your don't forget your <laughs> underlying right. racism. <laughs> right. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's fine. Uh, we, there's no crisis at the border. Uh, we can all just rest easy. Seriously, I don't. I don't understand. We've got really good administration in Texas. We have really good administration, especially on this issue in the United States of America. How is it that these people aren't being screened? How how is it we're not using our heads on this at all? I I, I don't get it. Uh, you're just you're you're taking the lives of people in this country uh, for granted here. I, I don't know. How well, you if do they it. got into a plane, if they got into a plane and they were. You know, not showing symptoms yet, but they were infected. 
I mean, that that's mm-hmm. all over the world anyway. Yeah, it is. Well, that's true. And it's, I mean, uh, I think it takes from two days to 21 days to incubate. So. Yes, it's 21 days to, before you're clear. Right. Right. So. And why would we hold somebody for 21 days? Why would you? Well, you, well, you yeah. wouldn't because it'd be hateful to yeah. do that. And the Democrats would be yelling right. and screaming about it. Right. So let's not do that. Right. And we're not. So then, uh, you know, you might get a little bit of, uh, and we told you how to avoid Ebola in that song a few years ago. Anyway, you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't uh, touch people's poop or pee. Well, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly be, right. It's pretty easy. <laughs> you'll be fine. It's pretty easy. Do we have that song still? Do we, do we happen to have that? Oof, I don't know. We'd have to dig that one up. But yeah, we definitely have it yeah. somewhere. It was an important piece of advice. It is. It is. No, and it's it's really easy uh, <laughs> to be able to to avoid. Right. You know, don't lick toilet seats. Yeah. You right. Know, uh, don't, don't 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 comb t- through their don't vomit. Touch, right. Mm-hmm. Don't touch poop or pee, and you're pretty clear. <laughs> you're pretty clear. Somebody bleeding from the eyes. Don't touch them. Okay, that's a good safety mm-hmm. tip. That's a really good mm-hmm. safety tip. Um. So. Uh, hopefully we won't be seeing a lot of people bleeding from their eyes, but I mean, it is possible right. now. It is possible. Uh, what, what is, what else is on your plate? Uh, well, the annual global index, um, came out of the most peaceful nations on earth. And, uh, as usual, the U S we're done, not on there. Yeah, we're on it. Sure. Of course we're on it. I mean, there's really? 163 nations. Of course we're on it. And what 128. <laughs> We're, we're 128. <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Who's, who's number? Give me the top 10. Okay. Um, at number one is the very peaceful island of Iceland. Pretty easy for them to be peaceful because the way they rate this is uh, your military spending. Of course, we spend more than anybody else in the world on, um, on military. <laughs> so military spending, military just spending. spending on military means right. that you're not peaceful? Yes. That's fascinating. Apparently. Because I don't think the Congo spends all that much on their military, but they seem to have a little problem <laughs> with peace. A little peace. problem with peace. Yeah. Uh, rates yeah. of homicide. Haiti right now, Haiti is once again absolutely on fire. I don't uh-huh. think they have a big army or navy. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't think so. Uh, rates of incarceration. Oh, the presence of small arms. So if you're a country that uh, oh, has a second like, amendment. Come on. This, this is, is so, amazing. This is like a group of people getting together going, how can we make sure that the United States <laughs> is dead last? Yes, I exactly. mean, you know what the miracle is? That we're only 128 very true because it's specifically designed to vilify our country right they do this all the time with these healthcare studies too they're like well uh let's see who has the best health care the number one way to determine it is how much the government spends on health care and you're like well we have a different system so obviously it's a terrible way to try to measure it you're Mm -hmm. just trying to vilify anybody who doesn't have the government have single-payer health care you two just hate iceland um that's pretty clear (laughs) right now you're both iceland haters we're very anti-white people uh number two on the list new zealand followed by portugal austria denmark all the usual (laughs) suspects canada singapore slovenia Japan and the Czech Republic. I mean, if you created Hitler, do you get to be a high on a list of peaceful <laughs> nations? I mean, Austria, really? I mean, I understand it's in the past, but don't you get an exemption from being near the top of the peaceful list when that you should. birth his, that should Hitler be an all-time exemption. Yes. At the can you bottom. Go back over that list to get yeah. wait, wait, can you go back you over start? that list? Okay. Again? Uh yeah. Iceland, New Zealand. Iceland. Okay, hang on. Uh-huh. No one is trying to get anything from Iceland. Well, they got nothing to give. Except ice. Right. right. 
So it's like <laughs> there's no they don't need an army because nobody is like, you know what we need to do? Conquer Iceland. <laughs> we'll <laughs> control all of the ice in the world. <laughs> so uh, it's 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 that's yeah. that, there's that, there's no need for any violence there. All there's need for drinking. That's all there's need for there. Okay, number two. Same with New Zealand. You know, out there all by themselves. What are you and gonna... really nice. Yeah, and like and nice. you know, there's like 400 people there and a mm-hmm. lot of sheep. Not a lot to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm surprised that there isn't more killing just because it's like I don't know. I was bored. I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> I was tired of I've looking already... at the scenery. I've already seen the, where they did the Lord yeah. of the Rings, so I yeah, just decided yeah, to kill some people. No, that's not happening. Right, apparently, right? Okay. And I would assume they moved up on the list since they've banned uh, how many firearms after oh, the last yeah. shooting. So right. I mean, now they're mm. going to be even more peaceful after the shooting. Showing that they're right. more peaceful, right? And what was it? Was mm-hmm. that shooting? Must have been a year before last. No, that guy. Mm-hmm. Or was it just no. last year? Last year, I think. Just, right? No, wow. it was just last year. It was just a few months ago. That's wasn't amazing it? that they still Christ made Christ second Christ. place on this list. Then it's Portugal, and then the uh, birthplace of Hitler, Austria, uh, followed by <laughs> Denmark, Canada. Which again, you know, Wait, what are you going to invade Denmark Canada for? Wasn't Denmark the place of that mass shooting of? Wasn't that Denmark? Or is that Norway? Norway. Yeah, that was Norway. Yeah. Norway. Okay. The largest Norway, mass shooting okay. in history. That wasn't, of course, done by the government, which all the biggest mass shootings in history have all been done by the government. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, if we take all of those out of the picture, then yes, it was the largest in history. By the way, uh, the Christchurch shootings in New Zealand three months ago. Oh, my I feel, gosh. I mean, that does not. Oh, my gosh. feels like it was much longer than that. And how many people was it? Uh, f- let's see. F- uh, hold on. I'm pulling it up here. There's 49 non-fatal injuries. Uh, and let's see, 51 people. Yeah, geez. I mean, it was a really, 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 really bad. bad one. Really bad. Um, okay, so following Canada, Singapore, Slovenia, Japan, and Czech Republic. Uh, so again, it's a lot of the countries that we protect. We do all their dirty work uh, for them. All of the military expenditures uh, done by the United States, and that's why we're 128th and there's fifth. What's at the bottom of the list? Uh, let's see. The very bottom is Afghanistan. <laughs> Does Afghanistan. Uh, so Afghanistan, the least peaceful nation on earth, with Syria the runner-up. Then you got South Sudan, Yemen, Iraq, Somalia, the Central African Republic, Libya, Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Russia. No. So wait, where is North Korea on wait, there? Not, Nowhere? not listed. The, the, you, no. you put your people in camps. You murder everybody that all you, everybody in your family and everybody that gets anywhere near you. <laughs> and you're still pretty peaceful. But you're very peaceful. It's a peaceful <laughs> nation. You're firing missiles over Japan's heads every other day. Uh, but that's, that's amazing. Peace. That's peace. Okay. I mean, this that's is amazing. Just what is the what, where? Where is where are they? God forbid they're ahead of us. It does not uh, say on my list here. I'll have to I'll have to go to the extended list and. And let you know, because mm. I, don't, I don't have that in front of me. But they're somewhere between, I think they're between us and Afghanistan, somewhere. Uh, but uh, for them not to be in the bottom ten, that's pretty amazing. Well, they don't pretty have much amazing. access to firearms are, look for at the those, average look citizen. At, <laughs> they would do well and they would perform the, well there. Look at all the bottom ten. Yeah. What do all those things have in common? Read them again. Afghanistan, Syria, mm-hmm. South Jordan, Yemen. Iraq, Somalia, Central African Republic, Libya, Democratic Republic of Congo and Russia. Now, I don't know what you're alluding to here. Um, wh- what are you trying to say? 
about the no, commonality among them? No, I wanted to know. I wanted to know if you found anything. <laughs> I have not seen. No, I don't see anything. All but one of those countries no. have in common. <laughs> no, I, I was mentioning this list on my show, Pat Gray Unleashed, earlier today, and Keith said something similar. Like, what do those have in common? Like, I don't know. I don't see any commonality here. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I told him Keith maybe say? he should keep his hateful uh, thoughts to himself, and so he didn't say, what are you going to say, Mr. Beck? What What is the commonality here in Afghanistan? No, I was asking. I want to Syria. avoid that. I don't notice. Yeah, I mean, you're, I so you're notice not noticing anything. Because I, I thought you asked I'm me not... what the commonality is, but you, you yeah, didn't. because I wanted your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, what do you think? Do you see anything here? Uh, I, I mean, it's difficult to get direct flights to any of them, and I think that might be it. Might be that. Yeah, it might be that they're all Islamist states. Mm. That might be it. Huh. That might be it. And most hmm. of them also it might be. I don't war, think it is. Right? Yeah. Like the, you know, I don't think it is. there no, might be a commonality so. there as well. Like why? Are, why are all these countries in active war? The yeah. other answer might right. well because of the United States, <laughs> right? And our <laughs> and our military sanctions. expenditures, yeah, our military expenditures, and our individual rights yeah. to own firearms. Yeah, that Don't. pisses them mm-hmm. off, and it mm-hmm. causes uh, hatred in their country, yeah. and they go to war with people. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Yeah, they're they're just they're just they don't mm-hmm. like our freedoms uh, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, no, wait. Is that a good one now, or is it a bad one now? <laughs> I think that's that's a bad one now, because it was from George That's Bush. a bad one now. They, they love our freedoms. They love our freedoms. Okay, but North Korea was a, 149, just to get that out for you. <laughs> North Korea, 149 out of 163. And what does that uh, country say to you, Pat? Uh, uh, they're, like, democratically elected. (laughs) Socialists. Communists. Democratically elected is what I was going to say. 23andMe.com. We are faced with a yearly dilemma. What should you get for your dad for Father's Day? Trust me, he doesn't want another tie. He wants something really cool. He wants time with you. Time with you. And that's what 23andMe's Health and Ancestry Kit is all about. Time. For a limited time, you can get $50 off the 23andMe Health and Ancestry Kit through June 17th. It's a gift that's unique, just as unique as Dad is. You can discover how the genes influence his well-being and his lifestyle choices with insights into genetic weight, muscle consumption, sleep quality, and more. It also um, shows some of the, the traits that he has and how they are caused by certain genes that's really fun for the family to kind of go through together. Um, also, the wellness report will help him make informed decisions about his health and also give you more time if dad is predisposed to uh, some sort of really nasty disease. And the gift of discovery. Dad will find out, and so will you, where your family's from. So a special is going on right now, 23andMe.com. Save 50 bucks, 23andMe.com slash Beck. That's 23andMe.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Coming up, we have lessons from Chernobyl. What should we take from that HBO documentary, if anything, if you happen to be watching it. Also, the rulings from SCOTUS, it looks like the peacemaker, John Roberts, may be at it again. Uh, Also, what should we preserve? What can we preserve as people try to take America and dismantle it and make us forget? to Glenn Beck.
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Hello, America. Thank you so much for listening. I got to tell you, you can either laugh or cry, and there's lots of things to cry about, but I'd much rather laugh. There is a new book out called How to Become a Federal Criminal. The the author, Mark Chase, starts it with this uh, in the dedication, the dedication of the book to the U.S. Congress. You guys are hilarious. I like the attitude. Wait until you see what's actually on the books. Any of us could be ripe for prison right away if anybody wants to put us in prison. We are breaking the laws almost by getting up in the morning and breathing. We'll go there with Mike Chase in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. First, let me tell you our sponsor. It is Patriot Mobile. I'm thrilled to have Patriot Mobile uh, as part of the uh, as part of the sponsorship. You know, people talk about protests and we have to boycott. It's really easy for the left to do that because they have options. They they control almost everything. Well, I'm not going to watch Fox News. Okay, well that gives you about 800 other channels. If we say we're not going to watch, you know, I'm not going to watch Disney. Yes, you are. Yes, you are, because you don't have any other choice, usually, for good quality family entertainment. So you're going to end up, I'm no way I'm going to go to a Marvel movie. Yes, you will. You have to replace it first, and it has to be good, if not better. It has to have something that is better than what you're currently doing, because it's not enough for people to change, just because, well, I don't want to fund abortion. And I know that sounds pretty crazy, but it's true. Patriot Mobile is that company. They have the same great service because they're on the same cell towers. What they're not doing is giving their money to abortions. Uh, They're not giving their money to La Raza. And believe it or not, that's what all these cell companies are doing. When you every time you make a phone call, a portion of that is going to La Raza or to Planned Parenthood. Patriot Mobile is doing the opposite. Now, you're going to save about. Well, I I don't want to say because. Everybody is different, but you can save about a thousand dollars if you know if you use your you know have your cell phone uh, uh, bill really high, you'd save a thousand bucks. That's a lot of money. Same service, easy to switch, save a lot of money, and stop putting money into the hands of people who are fighting against you every step of the way. Get a free month of service right now just by switching to PatriotMobile.com. Do it now. PatriotMobile.com. Use the promo code BECK. So Mike Chase is a white-collar criminal defense lawyer, and by night, he's the legal humorist behind A Crime A Day, the Twitter feed, uh, where he offers a... uh, Uh, a a daily dose of extensive research into the curious, intriguing, and crazy, expansive criminal laws here in the United States. Welcome to the program, Mike Chase, author of How to Become a Federal Criminal. Thanks for having me. Now, Mike, uh, you know, when I first heard, when when Stu came to me and said, we have to do, we have to have Mike on, he's, uh, you know, (laughs) how to become a federal criminal, and I'm like, no, that's what that's what Antifa. That's what that's what all of these far left organizations are doing. I don't think we need to do that too. 
Uh, and then he, he explained the book, and I looked at the book, and it is, it's fantastic. We are all federal criminals every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of us are cheese criminals. Some of us are, you know, small little donkey criminals. You know, some of us have whistled on a CB radio. But whatever we've done, uh, the likelihood is that the government could charge us with a federal crime. So the book, I love this. I have to read this verbatim because I love this. You should never, you should never, and I mean never, underestimate the government's power to put you in prison for something as simple as bringing a theatrical chicken or any performing poultry back from Mexico without an up-to-date health certificate. Be careful. No, it's, it's right. totally true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is, we're not just talking about dramatic poultry, right? I mean, p- poultry that have, have a great sense of drama. We're talking about professional performing poultry. But if you come back, you know, you wait, have your... Wait, wait, your... wait, wait. I have to... Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. You have, to, you have to define what a theatrical chicken or performing poultry really is. Where did this come from? Yeah, well, that's the good question, right? Because we all know that Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution says that Congress and Congress alone is supposed to make the law. But somewhere along the line, they decided we're better at, you know, bickering and things like that. So they gave that power away to agencies who then agencies made rules like the one banning performing poultry from coming back. So you're right. It would be nice to have a definition of performing poultry, but that's sort of where everybody went home for the day. And they just said, look, if it's performing poultry, so really it's the government that decides if your chicken is a performing chicken or if he's just an amateur. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I will this say my crazy. I, your book is scary because I happen to be a, a man who likes to, you know, when you're, when you're going by a bunch of horses, I'm the type of guy who likes to flip off the horses. That's just mm-hmm. the type of person I am. Um, yeah. I like to make up no, it's gestures. Not, but it's not, it's not just flipping off the horses, I, I believe, Stu. Right, it's it's any, making an obscene gesture or mm-hmm. any objectionable uh, uh, gesture towards a horse, is it not? And, mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. And, and I will say, uh, as you point out correctly in the book, it is okay to do this to a stationary horse. Right. However... Right. <laughs> A passing horse, it goes off the rails. Um, what I really find fascinating about this one, because this is a real law that is in effect, and, it's, and you detail it in the book, is that they actually did revisit it. I feel like a lot of these laws, like, okay, they passed them in like 1820, and they're ridiculous, and they just never repealed them. They actually mm-hmm. revisited it in the 1980s to try to figure out what type of gesture was allowed. How is this happening? It happens all the time, and because this happens through the regulatory process, we don't always get a lot of this stuff happening in the public debate. But you're right. There was a time when the National Park Service said, all right, look, no unreasonable gestures to horses, okay? No unreasonable gestures. we got to put an end to the passing horses. Right, the passing horses, right, to the insidious practice of uh, unreasonable gestures to passing horses. But then some guy somewhere came to him and said, hey, look, I, I look. Guys, I need a little more definition on that because I got to know what kind of gestures I can make to a horse. <laughs> and so they said, uh, "All right, how about this? Under the circumstances, if it's unreasonable." And he was like, "All right, I can work with that." <laughs> and so anyway, that's where wait, we are wait, with the federal wait, law. Well, wait is, a minute! <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait! <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> what? What? I really want to know. In 1985, a horse doesn't care. A horse doesn't care if you flip it off. It really doesn't. It'll stomp you to death if it cared. What? How is this even? How did somebody come to the point where, like, no, I need a little bit more definition in 1980s? 
look, Glenn, you say a horse doesn't care if you flip them off. I guess that depends on the horse. Okay, there are sensitive horses out there, so don't 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 step on their feelings. All right. Um, oh my gosh. But, but, but the truth is that that uh, you know probably what they were going for is don't make a gesture that's going to spook a horse and cause some sort of harm or damage. But our government, which is required to make laws that govern all of us, isn't so good at it, and so they use these broad generalized terms. And so yeah, they say unreasonable gesture. They don't say a gesture that can spook a horse. They just say unreasonable gesture. So I think if you, I think if you flip them off, I think if you do the chin flick, uh, I think if you moon a horse, you're potentially going to find yourself uh, on the other side of an indictment. And so I go through that in illustrated fashion in how to become a federal criminal so that everybody can learn how to do so that. Great. So there are other things, you know, you can't draw the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, yeah, you can't so, just say yes. <laughs> you, yeah. you can, now, yeah. I understand this maybe in the 1940s, you know, before satellites and everything else, but you can't draw the Pentagon? Yeah, and that's way, the way the regulation says it is that you, you can't make a sketch, uh, photograph, drawing, or any other depiction of the Pentagon. To me, if you're at home and you're just drawing geometric shapes and you happen to, uh, you know, do a five-sided one, you're potentially running afoul of this law. Now, probably it's for somebody who's on property at the Pentagon, but uh, if the government comes to your house and they're really looking for something to ding you on uh, and they see some pentagons drawn around, you might be uh, looking at some charges added so, on to your indictment. Yeah. Wait a minute. I know I've seen pictures of the Pentagon. <laughs> I know I've seen video of the Pentagon. I mm -hmm. know they sell pictures of the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Yep, and is that this... speaks to a much bigger problem, which is the fact that, look, back in the 80s, the DOJ tried to count every federal crime on the books. They spent two years at it, and when they came back, they said, uh, yeah, we give up. It's way too many. We have no idea. So we, the government, don't know how many there are. Estimates say that there may be as many as 300,000 or more federal crimes on the books. And so you're right. Are there photos of the Pentagon and drawings of the Pentagon out there? Absolutely. And is this law enforced and used? Generally not. But these laws lurk in the background and govern all of us, and you potentially could, could get charged with one, uh, even if it's been 50, 100 years since the statute's ever been used. Right. So it's not really, Mike, it's not the problem. I mean, because we can laugh at these, and we can understand, you know, maybe the, the horse, you know, thing and the Pentagon thing. You know, a reasonable person will say, well, they're trying to make sure that nobody in the Pentagon is saying, I'm not taking pictures, but they're sketching something that is, is top secret. Mm -hmm. Would you agree that that's probably what they were trying to avoid? Yeah, for, for sure, a lot of these rules have some sort of, you know, meritorious backdrop. Of course, I'm not, right. I'm not so sure that the ban on uh, selling Swiss cheese without enough holes makes a whole heck of a lot of sense, or <laughs> selling uh, fruit cocktail with less than 2% cherries uh, necessarily needs to be prosecuted as a crime. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, a lot of these rules come from a, a good place, but because Congress has outsourced all of its lawmaking authority, essentially, to agencies bureaucrats, they've made these thousands or hundreds of thousands of rules with not enough definition for us to all abide by them and, and created crimes in the process. Right. So that is the problem, is that as our government has grown, grown more powerful, uh, grown in size and grown in hostility towards one group or another, uh, whether it, you know, is, you know, the repeat of the 19, you know, 50s and 
and uh, you know Martin Luther King not being able to buy a gun uh, because his local sheriff said, no, it's for your own safety when we know that wasn't true. They can, a powerful government that wants to put you away for some reason can find something to put you away for. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And, and remember, the place our minds always tend to go on this is, well, how many people are actually in prison for this? Or come on, some of these laws are plainly unconstitutional. But the thing for everybody to remember, and I go through this in, in How to Become a Federal Criminal, which is long before you get acquitted at trial, long before the Supreme Court holds that you were unconstitutionally prosecuted for, you know, flipping off a horse on, on public land, or sorry, a passing horse on public land, long before any of that happens, you know, these countless laws give the government the authority to detain you, to arrest you, to go into your home, seize your property, and put you into the criminal justice system and obligate you to defend yourself before you may wind your, your way all the way up to the Supreme Court to get acquitted. I mean, we heard about the case of this guy, John Yates, a few years back. He got prosecuted for throwing a few undersized red grouper overboard, uh, and he had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to be told that what he did wasn't a federal crime. And by the end of that process, you may have been imprisoned, you may have lost all of your money and gone indigent in the process of defending yourself. It also seems to open you up to, uh, the, the, you know, they can use one of these laws to go in, search your home, and find out something else that they want to know that they have no right of knowing. I mean, it, it seems like it would open it up to the, you know, they're going to be able to go and, and get your access to your data. They're going to be able to go in and, and search your home and all of these things that normally they wouldn't be well, able to do because you're flipping off too many horses. <laughs> right. Well, let me, let me give you a real life. Let me pause for a second. And give you a real life example of this. And I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Mike, because as a businessman, it's why what you've written really concerns me. It's really funny, but it also really concerns me. And we'll do that in one minute. Woman in Michigan, she's at work. She gets a call from Simply Safe Home Security. Her alarm system is going off. Simply says, Simply Safe says, there's a man in your house. She says, yeah, it's probably just my landlord. Simply Safe is watching the video feed because once the alarm is triggered and they are on 24 seven monitoring, they can then access that to be able to give you uh, a better service from 911. They look in and see what is happening in the house, and they see that it's not a false alarm, that there's somebody in the house that looks like they broke in. They said, I don't think this is your landlord. He's currently fending off your dog with one of your lamps. She said, yeah, that's a break-in. They called 911 three times faster because now Simply Safe has the video evidence. When they alert uh, 911, you go to the top of the line. If it's just a regular burglar alarm going off, it's like a car alarm. Police are like, it's probably, you know, a misset or a tripped alarm that isn't real. We'll take our time. But because Simply Safe now has the ability to, uh, when an alarm is tripped, trip that camera and see. Did somebody break into the house? You get the police responding to your house three times faster. SimplySafeBeck.com, by far the best that you can get, and you get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value. Go to SimplySafeBeck.com for your free security camera. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. Ten seconds, station ID. So let me let me go here. Um, we are 
we're talking about these crazy laws that are uh, currently on the books that you can get nailed for with Mike Chase. And Mike, let's look at things like, for instance, the Tea Party or the, the Master Cake um, Shop. Mm-hmm. We know that the we know that the city with the master cake uh, shop, uh, they have they, they were they were part of this. Uh, they wanted this guy to have to be forced to make wedding cakes. He felt it was unconstitutional. The he brings it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court basically says, well, if you're going to do it, here's how you do it. He's just been sued again. And I thought to myself, this is the third time. How is this guy affording it? But if the if the police or the state wanted to make sure that they taught this guy a lesson, they could go in on some bakery related thing that is really old that nobody knows and says you're in violation of this and bleed the guy dry. He doesn't have a chance of survival. Right. You're, you're, you're exactly right about that. And, and I have a whole chapter in, in how to become a federal criminal uh, about food. So how to become a federal criminal with food. And the truth is that the FDA and the USDA regulate all kinds of food food crimes, and they can be so minor. I mean, in fact, a very similar situation is not that many years ago, there was a bakery uh, up in New England that listed in sort of cute fashion, they listed love as an ingredient in their granola. Well, the FDA sent them a letter and said, hey, your products are misbranded because love is not anything we know anything about. It is not an ingredient we've ever heard of, and so your food is misbranded. And the truth is that becomes a federal crime. So yeah, for, for the master cake shop or for anybody else in that industry, if, if they're a political opponent of somebody, uh, you could go in and you conduct an investigation, you're going to find some violation of something because, because the federal government has so far exceeded its, its uh, limited powers set forth in the Constitution that there are hundreds of thousands of crimes and potentially thousands of regulations that a person could have violated and they'd be able to find something the harder they look. For sure. And Tea Party members, Tea Party members know this because the IRS investigated so many leaders of the Tea Party and they came up with nothing, but they had to go through all this, all this, you know, federal regulation to be able to um, clear their name. It cost them a buttload of time and money. They know because just trying to get a 501c3 or c4, whatever it is, uh, for many tea parties, they couldn't get it done because of the red tape. And it was because they were going against somebody in the government. So we've never faced this as Americans before. We've never seen this. The black Americans saw this uh, in the Jim Crow era, but we haven't faced this as white America. And it's coming to all Americans if we're not if we don't wake up. No, no, for sure. And, and, and last year, I wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal called Lock Her Up, Lock Him Up, They Could Lock You Up about that exact point, which is this, this, this picking the unpopular person, the politically unpopular or whoever, and, and using this coercive weight of literally countless federal crimes, federal laws and regulations um, to, to, to carry out 
essentially vindictive purposes. Um, that is the problem that it creates. It's, it's not that we're arguing that regulation is inherently good or uh, inherently bad. If you go through the book, you will see that every aspect of modern American life is regulated in such a way that it gives the government immense power um, for, for politically unpopular people to be prosecuted. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you one example that I go through in the book, which is if you leave the country with more than $25 worth of nickels in your pocket, that's a federal <laughs> crime. Okay. And I'll show you, I show you how to do that. I mean, you're going to need some pants with some good pockets and a, a nice dirty belt. But the truth is that mm-hmm. if you leave the country with more than $25 worth of nickels, you've committed a federal crime and face up to five years in prison. It's just one mm-hmm. example of the government requiring all kinds of reporting and all kinds of information from you. Not that you've harmed anybody or, or actually created any kind of injury to anybody, but because the government so wants information that if you don't give that information to them, you could find yourself on the other end of an indictment and a potentially boundless investigation. And this is made much, much worse because we have we've disengaged and separated ourselves from the Constitution and the idea of of blind justice. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No question about it. It is not an even handed system. Well, Mike, thank you so much. The name of the book is How to Become a Federal Criminal. You'll actually laugh really, really hard uh, all the way through it. Uh, But there's important lessons to be learned in it. How to Become a Federal Criminal, perhaps a book that all of us should have on our shelves. I highly recommend you get it now by Mike Chase. Mike, thanks for being on with us. More in a minute. You're listening to Glenn Back. We have to have we have to have him back on. He's great. I want to go through his cheese laws, uh, which I think are hysterical. Uh, maybe we'll have him on uh, maybe early next week, Stu. Um, all right. I want to tell you about our, our sponsor. Uh, our sponsor is uh, Norton Norton Secure VPN. A VPN is a virtual private network, and it might seem crazy that you need to have a virtual private network because nobody's after you, blah, 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 blah. However, everyone is tracking you. Everyone is tracking you, and they're tracking you, and they are selling your information to the highest bidder. Not only that, but people are trying to get your information for, for nefarious reasons, and every time you sign on to free public Wi-Fi, it's a death trap. Norton.com slash VPN. Facebook can't follow you on Norton.com slash VPN. Get a VPN now. The only company I would trust is uh, is Norton Security, and it, the protection starts at $3.33 a month. Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. One way to avoid being a federal criminal is, of course, to be a Blaze TV subscriber. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Get 10 bucks off and never go to prison. I've been looking uh, back into old speeches and, um, and old wisdom uh, recently. And this week, um, I have been really looking back at Ronald Reagan's speech, A Time for Choosing. And I think it's a speech that could be given today in so many ways. Today, the news is federal spending tops $3 trillion through May. Now, this is October to May, so it's half a fiscal year. $3 trillion. For the first time, deficit hits $738 billion. But that's a half 
year. When Ronald Reagan came out in 1964, he said, look, I used to be a Democrat. And and then I started seeing what was going on in the Democratic Party. And it's a time for choosing. I've used this speech uh, this week as a measuring stick and a guide on looking at the things and the troubles that we have. And just in his day, he politicians back in 1964 were, uh, you know, in the political parties were saying, you know, we've never had it so good. And that's how they justified spending more than we had. We never had it so good. So in other words, loosen up the wallet and the purse strings and let's spend some money here. Today, we hear similar but perhaps even more dangerous rhetoric. We're the richest nation on the earth. Well, it's not true. That's not true. In 64, in 1964, it was true that we've never had it better. And I believe that's true today. No American has ever lived the life that we have today. It's we've never had it so good. Our lives are easier in many ways, and yet much more complex and difficult in other ways. I'm not sure the people of my birth year in 1964 would trade places with us. But it is true, we've never had it this good. But there's another concern. Ronald Reagan talked and he said in 1964, they had only passed a balanced budget six times in the preceding 34 years. Six times a balanced budget. But congratulations, America, we can go one even better. Not only have we not passed a balanced budget, we haven't even attempted to pass any budget since 2008. There is no budget. We're making it up as we go along. Imagine running your household or your business without a budget. Somebody comes to you, a crisis happens, and you're like, yeah, we got to do that. How fast are you in uncontrollable debt? In that time, we have increased our debt from what both sides said was an unpatriotic $8 trillion to now almost $23 trillion. In 2017, our government spent $4 trillion. That's what they were spending. That's 21% of our GDP. But almost $800 billion of it was borrowed, and that was obscene. It was approaching a trillion dollars of borrowed money. Well, the news that has just come out, we're headed for about four, four and a half trillion dollars this year. And nearly one trillion has already been borrowed, and we're only halfway through the fiscal year. If we're at 738, we could be at 1.4 trillion dollars of borrowed money. Now this debt at 23 trillion dollars is not only the not only bigger than all other countries combined, but it is the largest debt ever accumulated in the history of mankind. Nobody has ever done anything like this before and survived. In 1964, we had $15 billion worth of gold in our treasury. 
15 billion. They would they would verify it back in 1964. They don't verify anything and talk to us about gold on anything. And here's why. Because in 1964, we had $15 billion worth of gold sitting in our treasury. Yet foreign claims on that gold were $27.3 billion. So we were already running a gold deficit in 1964. We not only didn't have enough gold, we owed about $12 billion dollars. In case the world ever ran on our treasury, we would be $12 billion in gold short. The dollar in 1939, if you had a dollar in 1939 and you saved that dollar and you went to spend that dollar, that dollar in 1964 would only be worth 45 cents. That's how much they had devalued the dollar. 55 cents just gone. Now, if you had a dollar when Ronald Reagan gave this speech, and it was worth a dollar in 1964, that dollar today is only worth about 18 cents. So what does this mean? It means all the money that you're saving, all the money that you're working hard for, all the money that you're putting in the bank, you're putting in your 401k, all that, those dollars are being devalued. They're being devalued by our treasury, by our Fed. And the more more Uncle Sam pushes those printing presses, the more Uncle Sam punishes those who live and stay by the rules and want to manage things themselves and don't want to be on the dole and want to save and want to have their own money. Those who saved are punished because they are destroying the value of the dollar even more. It is indeed a time for choosing, because it won't continue to be this way. It cannot continue to be this way. We are headed every day closer and closer to an actual hot war, and it has nothing to do with anything really political. It has everything to do with financial. This cannot continue. And so how do the elites usually cover their tracks, change the world, change the financial system? They have, they have a big war. And by the end of it, you don't recognize the country that you once lived in, but it doesn't matter anymore because you just want it to end you want the, the war to end. You want the pain to end. And so if it kind of looks like the country that you were from, okay. Okay, I'll take it. Think about the Germans. Think about the Germans. They wanted the, they wanted the country that they knew in 1900. But by 1930, nobody remembered that country anymore. And they were fighting for something that they couldn't even really articulate anymore. And by 1945, they didn't care. They just wanted to eat. They didn't care what it looked like anymore. They didn't care if they weren't the once great Germans. Ronald Reagan spoke of the USSR, the Soviet socialist menace, which our children now know nothing about because our corrupt Marxist education system has intentionally taken that away. Well, they won't talk about that 
and they won't really teach American history in any way that is interesting. New Jersey has now become the second state behind, of course, California to mandate that they must teach LGBTQI and everything else history. Ronald Reagan said the Soviet Union was the most dangerous enemy that man had ever faced. I'm quoting in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And that may have been true in his day. It was dangerous. But then, as it is now, it's the ideology that we fight, not simply people. It's the ideology. Eisenhower described the ideology of the socialists as the most hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose, and insidious in method. That ideology has now engulfed the entire Western world. And yet we, never, we dare not mention its name or speak out against it. We dare, not, we dare not point out that it is in league with another death cult, the Islamist theology. But make no mistake, this conflict is between good and evil, freedom or slavery, redemption or despair. It, con- it commands our entire being. Have you noticed that? This is regulating almost everything that we do right now. It absorbs our very being. It commands our entire attention. And yet no one will admit what the truth really is. And if we lose this fight, we lose our freedom. We lose our freedom guaranteed under the Bill of Rights. Because right now, a a group of well-funded radicals right now are cutting the legs out from under the constitutional table. The Electoral College. They are determined. And if we do not act now in our own state houses, if we don't stop them on what they're doing to the Electoral College, history will look back. History will look back on us. And with astonishment, they will record that those with the most to lose not only did the least to save it. To our shame, history will record the names of the Marxists, radicals, anarchists, American Islamists. As those who had so much to lose that worked so hard to destroy it. What do we need to preserve? What do we need to save? What is the real vision of the left? I have that coming up in one minute. Recent survey found that privacy is the number one concern about home, uh, home devices, and that is really, really true. You go, Google is watching you. Google is listening. Siri, I don't even know when I turned Siri on. Hey, Siri. I didn't turn Siri on. I don't like Siri. Why am why why are you on, Siri? That doesn't sound good, she says. Yeah, it doesn't. They're listening. They're listening. 
And we are aware now, uh, 68% of, of people in this poll say they believe smart home devices listen when you're not aware and they share data with companies. But we, we do know that tech, uh, one giant tech company employs thousands of people to listen exactly what people are saying in the recording proximity of their smart speaker. And that company is Amazon. Have you gotten rid of your Amazon Echo? Of course you haven't. Of course you haven't. You haven't gotten rid of it because it's good. It's convenient. LifeLock will detect a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web, because people are after your information. Information is power. If there's a problem, U.S.-based restoration specialists are going to work to fix it. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can see the threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and get 10% off your first year by using promo code BACK. It's 1-800-LIFELOCK. Head to LifeLock.com and use the promo code BACK. Get 10% off now. LifeLock.com. So what was it that uh, happened to Steven Crowder? Steven Crowder uh, was demonetized and then permanently um, demonetized because he upset the community. Now, that is recognizing that the YouTube community is in lockstep whatever the people at Google believe. Okay? They have to be in lockstep. They are, that's the community. And anything that makes that community go, ooh, I don't like that, then that's got to be banned. That's mob rule. That's direct democracy. The loudest win. The majority rules. Even though I don't think the majority is with uh, with Google, with Facebook, with these social justice warriors. I just don't believe it. But he was he was going after a guy who said he didn't want to hear from you on Twitter. He didn't want to hear from you if you weren't prepared to assassinate the people that he found unreasonable. Now. He's saying thus on Twitter, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he meant character assassination, but that's bad enough. He also had said that we have to start milkshaking people. And if you don't know what milkshaking is, um, people who are drinking milkshakes are not really a threat. And so what the left suggests you do is you go get a milkshake, you stand there, and when you get close to one of these public figures, you throw it at them. Now, they just did this to Niall uh, Farage. Nigel Farage is uh, is a friend of the uh, program uh, and and it doesn't deserve to be milkshaked. I don't think anybody should be milkshaked. But here's here's the here's the latest in this story. There's a woman. She's a comedian. Her name is Joe Brand. And she was joking about it on the BBC. The 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 host asked Bran, would you not say, Joe, that we're absolutely united in the feeling that we're living through a terrible time from a parliamentary point of view? And Bran answered, well, yes, I would say that. But I think that's because certain unpleasant characters are being thrown into the fore and they're very, very easy to hate. Now, that, listen to this hate. I'm kind of thinking, why bother bother with a milkshake when you can get some battery acid? So is this incitement? Is this hatred? Has she been banned? Has her videos, of all of her videos, been monetized? Or is this not upsetting to the YouTube community? 
is this not far enough for the BBC? This is in London, acid being thrown is not uncommon anymore. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. So the left, the left, all they want is social justice. That's all they want. They, they just want their place in the world. They want their voices to be heard. Well, I'm going to give them a chance to let their voice be heard and what they are really saying within their own communities. We go there in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You in pain? You want to stop being in pain? You want your life back? How about just even a reduction of the pain? Something that is just makes it a little more tolerable. ReliefFactor.com can help you. I want you to call 800-583-84. ReliefFactor.com. 800-583-84. I've taken it. I take it. I just took it this morning. I take it three times a day. It works. Try it. ReliefFactor.com. 1995. Get their three-week quick start. Get out of pain. Get your life back. ReliefFactor.com. Well, since it's Gay Pride Month, uh, we thought we would celebrate by talking a little bit about the gay pride that is is uh, so uh, prideful, and uh, and uh, and tell you where we're headed uh, as a society. Yin Q is a former dominatrix and educator and practitioner of bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, and sadomasochism. For Yin Q, BDSM has long been a part of her understanding uh, and experience with sexuality. And initially, she explored kink as a cabaret performer in college. Uh, today, she's based in Brooklyn, and she uses her expertise as a platform as an activist, a visible queer Asian American person in the BDSM community to elevate the experiences of marginalized people and perform BDSM rituals with clients as a form of therapy. She also hosts workshop for members of the LGBTQ community. And she's also the creator of the web series Mercy Mistress, which is co-produced by Margaret Cho. She, um, she just gave an interview uh, with the Washington, or I'm sorry, with uh, the Huffington Post, so we could understand. She wanted to highlight the work uh, in this underserved community and, um, and understand BDSM's role in exploring and furthering queer pride and how they envision the future of the LGBTQ movement. She says, quote, the ritual work uses BDSM activities as well as sadomasochism, whether it's flogging, spanking, caning, fetish worship to be kind of a cathartic release. Or I use it as sort of an arena to work on something one might be going through. Uh, the individual I'm working with is not looking to get turned on by me, and I'm not looking to dominate somebody in the way that they're handing power over to me and manifesting like fantasy play. 
So her sessions, she says, what I'm actually doing is just offering my skills and services uh, to be the hand that puts someone into bondage, to hold safe space for them, not to prod or poke them. It's more than they would take a flogging for themselves. So they're really going to take a really hard whipping so they can manifest something with the intention that they're trying to get through some kind of struggle, whether it be work-related or any other part of their lives where they feel they need that physical whipping, that physical push, much in the way someone might say, run a marathon. Hmm, okay. Now, as you uh, unfortunately would have to read all the way through this nonsense, um, the question from the Huffington Post was, so you believe embracing kink and other marginalized identities has the power to move the conversation and experience of pride beyond the white, gay, cis male uh, that has dominated the movement up until now? She says, and I quote, I think the corporations, I think the corporations that are fueling the money that goes into pride and the other people getting paid by those corporations need to turn and understand they got over the fence by so many people giving them a hand over it. They didn't achieve gay marriage and equality of queer people in the workplace on their own. It wasn't just the leadership and the corporations. We need to remember how much privilege we attain, and we always have to look to our neighbors and people outside of our spaces to see who else needs a hand up to get in that space so we can all be at the party. As a community organizer holding events, I got some pushback from some marginalized people because they don't want it to be a token within a space. And I understand that, being Asian-American and a sex worker. But I also believe there's a responsibility to come forward as a role model and say, I don't want to bring you in as a token. I want to bring you in as a co-host. I feel there is so much money going into pride right now that we must be able to have the time and work available to reach out to those sex workers, to reach out to those people in communities that have long been, uh, have not been uplifted. I was talking to an older gay white man after a pride last year who was really offended and hurt that there were a lot of leather flags with a black stripe showing solidarity with Black Lives Matter. He confided, he confided to me, and I listened because he's an ally to Black Lives Matter, but he felt insulted that his own history of what the rainbow flag had meant to him had been changed and mutated in a way that he felt was not giving reference to gay pride. Now, hang on just a second. This is a person in this new community that already feels they're being alienated and their history is being erased and they are being mocked because someone put a leather stripe on the the uh, rainbow flag and so he's now being alienated <clears throat> she said I told him that things have to change our language has to change gee where have I heard this before oh I remember Michelle Obama remember why she was taken off the uh, campaign trail the first time around she said this and Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. 
Uh, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place. She said, um, uh, that being said, the younger generation is taking up arms to hold up more marginalized folks. And there are plenty of rainbow flags out there, so they're not going away. But we have to look to the artists, the writers, the people who are making films, the activists. I look to artists who are bringing their queerness, their blackness, their BDSM kinkiness to their artwork and exploding all over the world with it. I look to Margaret Cho, and I'm honored to co-executive produce a series with her. I feel like younger people in the community are doing sex work activism, using social media to put messages out there for decriminalization of sex work. These are the people that we can really learn from, and I feel accountable to. So they are already beginning to eat their own they're already beginning to mutate into more and more extreme but how about this one meet the powwow dancer smashing gender norms nen nenus nenuske c i don't know nino for short is a powwow dancer Now, powwows are traditional social gatherings in many Native American communities that allow people to come together to celebrate age-old traditions. And nothing says powwow like the fancy dance, the ubiquitous staple of these gatherings. But the the dance is strictly gendered. There's one version for men and another for women. But Nino, who loved dancing... The gender confinement of powwows was stifling. The expectation that men and women could only uh, perform certain dances and wear certain outfits. Now, she identifies as a two-spirit, which is an umbrella term for indigenous peoples from North America to describe their place on a spectrum of genders and sexualities. So, in a bid to break free from the confines of gender norms and represent their gender fluidity, Nino is wearing both male and female regalia. And after three years of no dancing, she's back and dressed to the nines, ready to dance to the big drum. Oh, I've missed the powwow so much, she says. I'm sorry, that's not the way it's printed. I've missed this so much, they say. Remember, it's a two-spirit. They they are still processing what their complete two-spirit powwow regalia will look like. And until then, Nino is uh, diverting their energies to community organizing and educating others about her culture. But it's not really educating about her culture, is it? Because she's changing her culture. This is unrelenting authenticity that makes Nino such a beacon for others. No, she's not being authentic. She might be being authentic to herself, but she's not being authentic to the Native Americans. Whatever responsibility they inhabit, be it at a powwow or a nationwide pride advisory, they will carve out a a space for their most authentic self. The Canadian LGBTQ representation has historically and continues to leave out two-spirit contributions. Nino's plurality of identity, black, indigenous, Ukrainian, queer, two-spirit, polyamorous, partner, parent, and I'm not making this up, puppy mom, 
Somebody, Stu, look up what a puppy mom is. I, I don't know. Pu- what, what is that now? Puppy mom? Puppy mom. She is black, indigenous, Ukrainian, queer, two-spirit, polyamorous, partner, parent, and puppy mom. She exists without compromising any of them, which we all love. I, Isn't that beautiful? I, I could be wrong on this, but I think maybe what they're saying there is she just has a puppy. Does not seem to be that that's I don't, a, is it? Read it. Read it again. It I think what? they're just trying to be cute at the end of that. You, what did you throw that in the trash? It Why are you bending be, over to? Yeah, I did. It might be. She is indigenous, mm-hmm. Ukrainian, mm-hmm. queer, two spirit, polyamorous, partner, parent, and puppy mom. Yeah. So it might be that she's a puppy mom. It might believe. It might be that she believes she's a puppy, and a mother of a puppy. She might believe that she had puppies. I don't know anymore. What I do know is that if she does believe that she's right, she's in her truth, and you shan't question it. Okay, so I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to show you why I just shared all of this. Because the culture of the rainbow flag is now being erased. Okay? It's now being changed, and the people behind the rainbow flag aren't happy about it. The puppy mom is now changing her traditions and what are we changing to more in 60 seconds housing market is on fire all over america and interest rates are falling it is a great time to sell your house if you want to sell or buy the competition is going to be fierce you need a great real estate agent to help you the team at realestateagentsitrust.com is eager to introduce you to the best agent in your town. We have done our homework. We have built a network of the most successful, hardest-working, like-minded agents, and they're eager to help you with your biggest investment. We chose agents that have a long track record of performance. There's no part-timers, no inexperienced agents in our network. They're the ones who sell homes fast and for the most amount of money. The most of them outsell everybody else in their market. The market value of your home can't be done by an algorithm. It has to be done by somebody who knows the, the town, knows your neighborhood. And our agents do business like you do, and they share your values. So get moving. Today, with realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay, so the gay rights movement is getting much more militant than it, uh, I think, ever has, uh, because it has a taste of power, and it is going to set the record straight so so to speak um let me play some audio we played this on tuesday but it's worth hearing again what is the biggest threat to gay rights these are the uh, gay pride parade paraders in uh washington dc we're asking what people think the biggest threat to gay rights is in america today why are you out here today i haven't been and i've lived in this area my entire life so i went all out We're here to celebrate our identities, our sexual identities, our gender identities, our expression. What do you think the biggest threat to gay rights is today? Straight people. I think you could say this administration right now. That's all I'm going to say. And I think our current administration. Donald Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump. The police. (laughs) First and foremost. Our current political establishment. I think the biggest threat is the Trump administration. What do you think the bigger threat to gay rights is in America? 
Radical Islam or Donald Trump? I mean, yeah. I think we all know the answer to that one. The big orange thing sitting in the White House. Yeah, yeah the... Him. Radical Islam or Donald Trump? Okay, stop. We don't need to hear anymore. Listen to what this... Listen to what these people are saying. The biggest problem is straight white people, the police, the current political establishment, and Donald Trump. Now, first of all, I don't know why Donald Trump is lumped into this. Donald Trump has been the most friendly gay president I've ever we, we've ever had. There's nobody that has done more to advance as a president from from oh. his campaign, not even in office, but his campaign. We, we should be really just to be precise. Um, word order is important. He would not be the most friendly gay president. He would be the most gay friendly president. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's an important distinction. Um, right. But this is how dis this this is how this is how um, I, I, I think I can use this word because you're so you're living in such delusion that you're sick. You're sick. This is how sick these people are. They don't see a threat from ISIS greater than the one from Donald Trump that they think the biggest the biggest threat is white people, straight people, the police, our current political system. This is how this is how radical these people are. Get rid of white people, get rid of straight people, get rid of the police. We got to get rid of this political this this current political system and we got to get rid of Trump and then everything will be fine. So let's see if this is manifesting itself. Um, anywhere. First of all, San Francisco police. The officers are suing the city, claiming bias against whites in promotions. Raise your hand if you don't think, even if you're dry, if you're driving, this is how confident I am. Raise both hands, even if you're driving, if you think this isn't happening in places like San Francisco, where they're discriminating against white people. Raise both hands. Right. Nobody's nobody's having an, a car accident, are they? Because everyone knows, of course, this is happening. You're a straight white guy in San Francisco on the police force. You're not getting an equal shot. We're not we're not looking at your your content of character. We're looking at the fact that you're a white straight guy and your time is up. Now, where does this lead? Where does it lead? There's another story that came out today that is quite amazing. Black and Hispanic people are disproportionately exposed to air pollution caused mainly by the consumer behaviors of white people in the U.S. It's a new study. Researchers call this pollution inequity. Inequity is about being unfair. Air pollution exposure matters. It's the largest environmental health risk factor in the U.S., adding to about 100,000 deaths every year. And in March, Christopher Tessum and his colleagues of engineers and economists tried to quantify these differences in a study that was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. 
Many analysis of governmental, I'm sorry, of environmental impact will concentrate on who inhales the pollution. The poorer communities, often located near coal-fired power plants or else emitters, the power plants or factories themselves, rather than looking at the individual consumers who demand the products that result in the emission. So we're going to stop looking at just the power plants. We're going to start looking at the individuals who are buying these things. A study took a different approach by studying personal consumption, everything from agricultural consumption, how much you eat, to the use of diesel vehicles. The team found that white people and those of other races experience about 17% less air pollution exposure than is caused by their consumption. But black and Hispanic people inhale 56% and uh, 63% excess exposure relative to their consumption. So what is this going to mean? This is reparations. This is impoverish the white people because the white people are causing uh, more pollution and yet they don't have to suffer the consequence of that pollution. This is about social justice. This is about fairness. This is about, this is about leveling the playing field that has been so unequal for so long. No, I got news for you. This is about hatred, period. This is about the destruction of the Western way of life, period. So now what are we going to do about it? I'll give you a starting place next. You're listening to Glenn Beck. I'm up here at, uh, at, uh, in farming country, and uh, we just cut a field a couple of days ago, and I think it's going to rain this weekend, which means that thing is gonna, that's worthless now. And this is happening all over the country. Crops are not being planted. They're not coming in. They're underwater. Uh, we're going we're gonna to struggle because of all of the water that we've had. I mean, it's either drought or water. Farmers know. When things get tough, and there are, are problems of flooding, of hurricanes, of earthquakes, whatever comes your way, be prepared for it. Get a one-week food supply this week. This week it ends, this Friday. A new one-week food supply in an ammo can. The number of folks placing orders last week was so huge they decided that they were going to extend it a week. Natural disasters can strike, and they are striking. A one-week food supply in an ammo can from My Patriot Supply is the is the thing that you should have for every member in your home. Right now, it's a 50% savings. Get the one-week food kit, save 50%. Preparewithglenn.com. Go right now. Preparewithglenn.com. Sign up to really conserve conservative speech. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go. You save 10 bucks with the promo code Glenn. Welcome to the program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to talk to you about something that we we are not going through a primary, thank God. And so we don't have to tear each other apart. We don't have to go through all of the stuff. The Democrats are currently doing that. And uh, while they are doing that, they're also doing something really pretty much under the cover of darkness. Media's talked about this somewhat, but they've kept this out of the news. 
if the Republicans were doing this, this would be everywhere because it is a massive, massive change. What it is is the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, the MPVIC. This is an agreement among a group of states and the District of Columbia to award all of their electoral votes to whichever presidential candidate wins the overall popular vote in the 50 states and the District of Columbia. So in other words, it's the compact is designed to ensure that a candidate who receives the most votes nationwide is elected president. Now, they're claiming that because things are just so out of hand, it's it's just horrible, um, you know, because we've had, what, Al Gore uh, and then George W. Bush, that's that's one, and then Hillary Clinton with Donald Trump, that's two. And they say, this is horrible, we can't allow this to happen. But in 1876 and in 1888, the same thing happened. So we have 2016 and 2000. They had 1876 and 1888. We've gone through this before. The 1960 is a, also a disputed example of this. So, so what are we going to do? Are we just going to elect somebody and then have our voices squashed because the popular vote? Or are we going to actually take the time and understand why the Electoral College is so important? The Electoral College was put there so we don't have majority rule. We don't have a direct democracy. That was really important. I know people over, you know, the very, very smart people over in France and the very, very smart people over in, uh, in Greece are now looking for a direct democracy. They want a direct democracy. But every time there is a direct democracy, it fails. Catastrophic failure. Why? Because it becomes a bully state. If you control the, minor- uh, the majority, you get your way on everything. And then you can force everyone else to do what you want. And if you don't think the left is about forcing others, why are they silencing speech right now? This means that the middle of the country, the parts of the country that lives differently than the cities, really their voice will not matter. The, the politicians will only have to uh, politic and campaign in the cities because that's where the bulk of Americans live. So they will go to where the bulk of the Americans live. They will completely ignore the rest of the nation. So this, this, this is what happens when you have this kind of system, and especially one that socialists take over. Then you start to have problems because the state is controlling everything. And then you start to have, like, food shortage shortages. And so the state starts to regulate and starts to tell these farmers exactly what to do, and they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And nobody is paying attention to the farmer because the farmer doesn't count anymore. His voice doesn't count. And so they start putting regulations on the farmers, and then the farmers don't produce because they can no longer produce because of the socialistic state. And what happens? Then the people start to starve. Then the government and the people start getting angry at these farmers. And they're like, well, we'll send somebody else in to do it. Take their land. Give that land to somebody else because they'll do it. 
We'll do a co-op. All the farmers will work together as a co-op. And that falls apart because that never works and people starve. That's, that's what happens when you are controlled by a central government and nobody cares about the votes of the farmers. This is something that currently is right now, as of May, has been adopted by 14 states and the District of Columbia. They already have 189 electoral votes, which is 35% of the Electoral College. All they need, all they need is 270. They now have 70% of the 270 votes needed to give this compact a legal force. Once they hit 270, they're in. Now, this is being debated quietly in all of our state houses. It is already passed 14 states. Did you even know? Is your state part of that? This ends the republic. No ifs, ands, or buts. This ends the republic. Franklin said, what have you given us, sir? Franklin responded, a republic if you can keep it. We cannot keep it without this. So here's what you have to do. We are not tearing each other apart, hopefully. We are all on the same team, hopefully. There's nobody, hopefully, that is going to uh, uh, primary, which means we have the time that they don't have because they're busy organizing for their candidates. They have the money and the will to get this done. They have lots of money, but we have voices. We have people on the street. You are in the majority. If you're standing for the Constitution, the rule of law, you're in the majority. You have to educate yourself on the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Um, Just look for the National Popular Vote plan. Yeah. Google it, that. It'll get you to this compact. The odd thing about it is it does appear to be constitutional because the way it, it the is. Constitution is written is, is the states get to, to figure out how to give away their electoral votes really without any restrictions. Correct. So you see this in, in places like Nebraska and Maine that have it, uh, you know, congressional districts. They can split their electoral votes through con- mm-hmm. congressional mm-hmm. districts and such. So, you know, the fact that it's set up the way it is now is is you know, can change at any time because these states can by themselves say, you know, what is going to the popular vote winner. I would be fascinated to see if they actually got this thing through and then a Republican president won the popular vote but lost the Electoral College. Because that was really what a lot of people thought might happen in 2016, that that Trump might be able to squeak out the popular vote but lose the Electoral College. It wound up being the reverse there, which is why this is getting gaining so much steam. But the bottom line is these are all blue states. You're telling me California is not going to bail on this and break the law to give the election to whatever Democrat were to beat a Donald Trump or any other Republican in this circumstance? I mean, it's, it, is, it is, I find it highly doubtful that they would actually go through with this if their person didn't win. What they want is two shots at, at, at the game. They yeah. want to be able to say, yeah. yeah, we'll win the Electoral College or the popular vote, and we'll be able to still get the president. Right. They think the popular vote will always go their way because the numbers match up. 
the cities are growing and the rural areas are not and you will be ruled by the cities and as somebody who just drove you know what 2,000 miles across this country I'm telling you the rural area cannot be governed by the cities and the cities can't be governed by the rural areas it's just not it's just not the same people live dramatically different lives and that's the point we have to find the balance between them we can't force our point of view down other people's throats once we start doing that once we say nope it's this way for everybody nope you gotta live this way your town can't do that your county can't do that your state can't do that you've destroyed the american experience the american experiment was can we all come together different backgrounds different states different different viewpoints different religions and all live together yes we can but the, the federal government has to have very limited power so the states can decide what they want to do and the electoral college they can decide to do this but this is only going to be the advantage at least in the short term for the democrats and it is a way to make sure majority rules. You don't want majority rules. Now, would we, if the situation was different and we controlled the cities, I think we'd do exactly the same thing, unfortunately. But we are in the fight for our life here. And if you lose the Electoral College, you lose the Republic. So... Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to try to get Charlie Kirk on um, because he's really organizing young people um, with this. And he knows a lot about it and knows exactly which states are are up next. And he's going to be able to go through this with you tomorrow. Uh, and you need to get on the phone. Uh, the Tea Party needs to get their act together and get back together. Uh, the 912 Project needs to reactivate and come back together with this one purpose save the electoral college and we'll get into that on tomorrow's program don't miss it so i went over i went over the facts uh earlier on today's program about what is happening to our to our economy what's happening to our dollar in 2017, our government uh, borrowed about $700 billion to float the debt that year, okay? They needed an additional $700 billion. This year, it is double. We are going to approach probably $1.4 trillion that we need to borrow, that we need to borrow. This is unworkable. It will not last. And so what is the Fed doing? The Fed is going to lower interest rates, which makes money, what? Cheap. You can bar if you can borrow, if you're a big, you know, big firm, you can borrow at 0%. Why wouldn't you borrow that money? I don't have to pay anything for using it. I'm going to use that money, and then I'll pay you back some other time. And people get more risky when dollars are cheap. How do you make dollars cheap? 
Well, you lower the interest rate and you run the printing presses again. Quantitative easing is coming back. We are doing everything the opposite of what we should do if we want to survive economically. We don't have any gold left anymore. What do we have? Well, we have individuals like you who live by the rules, who pay down their debts, who don't live beyond their means, and quite honestly have gold or silver. Gold or silver is where the world will run in the end. As the gods of the copybook headings say, they will return with terror and slaughter, and it will reset everything. And when you reset, the world always resets to gold because it's real, it's physical, and you can have it now in your hands. And in 1881, they had Liberty Coins, $5 Liberty Coins. These are called half eagles. Um, the people at Goldline have uh, just purchased a, a, a hoard of these. Uh, they were from a collector, and they got the opportunity to buy a bunch of them. Uh, I mean, it's limited in supply if you look at it uh, as a nation, but as a company, this is a large section that they're going to sell and sell out quickly. These are the kind of coins that I buy, and I buy them for specific reasons, and you talk to Goldline about those reasons. that I, Just ask them, why does Glenn Beck buy you know, 1881 $5 Liberty coins? Um I look at it as an investment, as insurance against insanity. And as soon as the world stops going towards insanity, uh, you know, as soon as they stop, I'll stop buying gold. Until that time, I want to do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Goldline. Goldline.com. Call them right now. Get their important risk information. Find out if it's right for you. Ask them about their four-coin collection of 1881 $5 Liberty coins. These things are beautiful. They're part of history, and it's great to have these coins available to you now. 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Hey, I can't leave today without, without playing the audio from the House floor of Representative Norma Torres talking about anti-abortion men. Listen to this. It is tiring to hear from so many sex-starved males on this floor talk about a woman's right to choose. Mr. Speaker. For what purpose does the gentleman from Georgia recognize, uh, seek recognition? The, uh, Mr. Speaker, I would just like to ask my friend if she'd like to, to change her last, uh, her last statement. Mr. Speaker, if it pleases my colleague on the other side, I will withdraw my statement about sex-starved males on the floor. Wow. Okay, stop. This is amazing. Okay, so, so let, let's. Uh, what I want to ask her is, is she holding up the male sex drive as something that women can relieve? Is she classifying women now as relief workers? Because they're sex-starved, why? Because they don't want to have babies, and so they're what? They, they're, they're, they're in control of themselves? But if you're not a sex-starved man, you're for uh, abortion. Yeah, that's right, because it's easy. You just go out and have sex, and you're like, hey, sweetheart, here's a couple hundred bucks. Go get that taken care of. I mean, this is insane. What is she saying there? That in, 
It's so amazing. That it's like that men cannot have an opinion. That left out of every time that someone makes this point is the idea that there's no gender split when it comes to abortion. The numbers are identical. Men and women oppose it and support it at almost identical rates. So saying that you want to take... It's just, it's just a stupid identity politics discussion. Uh, and many times well, the polls show that men favor abortion more. Of course, you know, a lot of times they're happy course. to utilize it. That's right. Norma... You're Women are uh, relief workers. Back.